Amen. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, good. It's amazing, I said in the first service, it's amazing how much more comfortable I feel six steps to the right. I don't have anything to hide behind like a keyboard now. It's interesting. Well, let's jump right into it. This month we've been going over the marks of a church, and these are things that define us as a church, things that are there to help us to stick out and be different. And uh, today we're going to speak about worship, as you probably assumed by me standing here. So we're going to go over worship, not just musical and singing, but other ways to worship God, other things that he's called to, to worship him in. So let me just start with where worship began in my life and when I first felt the call to it and the first noticeable impact it had on me. It was over 20 years ago when Pastor Peter first came to the United States, and he began leading worship, and he would alternate weeks doing worship, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Whenever it was his week, it was, I, I didn't like it at all, and not because he wasn't good. He did a fantastic job. As we all know, he's incredible. It's because whenever he was up there, I didn't understand it. I was about nine or 10. Whenever he was up there doing worship, I got this nervous feeling in my stomach and like butterflies and I would feel like warm and like almost feverish and I didn't understand what it was. I'm like, why, why is this happening to me every time he does worship? And I didn't understand it. All I knew, being nine, is that I didn't like it. So a few years go by and then I realize that those are different ways that the Holy Spirit calls you and it was beckoning me, it was calling me, it was trying to draw me in to worship and I didn't understand it and so I just decided I didn't like it and I didn't want anything to do with it at the time being nine. Um, but that being said, as we go through this, this teaching today, or if, if you're in worship or you're doing these other ways of, of worshiping God and you get that feeling, you get that nervousness, the almost feeling flush, the, the butterflies, do not ignore it. Don't run from it. It is the Spirit calling you, beckoning you. Just say, hey, I'm here. What will you have me do? What do you want? I can feel you pulling on my heart, so what would you have me do? So this morning, I don't want us to make the mistake of limiting worship to just singing and music. That's what a lot of people think worship is and that it begins and ends there, and it's not. After doing the study of worship, I have discovered that it's actually one of the lower forms of worship. Kind of a shot to the pride there, because it's what I do, and realizing that it's the easiest one out of all the forms of worship to do. I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta work on the others. So I say that because when we go through these, I want you guys to realize that there's a very strong chance that you are actually worshiping God every single day and you weren't even aware of it. That you're doing these things every day that are great calls of worship and you didn't even know. So that's really cool. So let's get into this. Let's look at some of the non-musical ways to worship God. The first one is serving others. We went over this last week at length. So if you did not hear the sermon last week, please go online, go on our website, listen to it. It was an incredible teaching, and it was all about serving others and, and how to be a part in the body in that way. So the second one is sharing your faith. Sharing your faith is a great way to worship God because 
It is honoring God for the work that he has done in you. It is saying, acknowledging that he has changed your life and sharing it with someone else. That's a great form of worship. The third thing is sacrifice, putting your needs, desires, and passions behind the needs of others. That is a powerful, powerful form of worship. Hebrews 13, 15 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Continually sacrificing. It's, this is when you come home from work and someone from your cell group or your Bible study group calls and they need to talk. You take the call and you, you push dinner back some. That is the sacrifice that we're talking about. Putting your desires and needs aside for the needs of someone else. That is worship to God. Number four is being a living sacrifice. Romans 12, one through two. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly a way to worship him. That's what we want our worship to be, something that he finds acceptable and beautiful. The fifth way is tithing. Tithing is super important because it is showing that you trust him, that you acknowledge that everything that we have is from him and you're giving him back what he's asked for. And it shows that we have the faith and we believe in his promises, that he said he will continue to bless us. Tithing is such a powerful form of worship. I don't know if you noticed, but we didn't actually take tithe up this morning yet. We normally do it during the announcements. We're gonna do it at the end of the service. We're gonna do a song and kind of practice what we've learned. And I'm gonna have you bring your tithe up then. So you're not getting out of it this week. Don't, you didn't get a pass. So as we can see from this list, singing is just the beginning of worship. Singing and praising and dancing is the easy way. It's very easy to come here on a Sunday and watch what's happening and clap along. And you know, you move a little bit, you sing some of the words you know and feel like you've accomplished worship. That's the easy thing. It's hard to sacrifice for other people. It's extremely difficult to tithe when you feel like your bills aren't gonna be paid. When you, don't, when you know that if you give that amount, something's not gonna get covered, that's difficult, and that is true worship. So right now I wanna look at some things that we are supposed to give to God. Now, this is just one of the many reasons why it's important to come to church. These, these next six things we go over because we accomplish every one of these things when we come here on a Sunday. We go through these six things that God has asked us to give to him every time we come and we fellowship. And it's so important that you're plugged into a body and plugged into a church. So let's look at them. Six things we are to give to God. The first thing is our praise. To say I love you because of who he is, not what we can get. That's the important thing there. Not to praise him because we need something out of it. Repentance, to say sorry, which requires us to deal with our pride. Now, I've gotten pretty good at saying sorry. I've been married for a while now. Nine years, almost. Almost nine years, that's crazy. And uh, you just kind of walk in the door and you're like, hey, I'm sorry. 
and you just move forward from there with the rest of your night. It makes it easier. And then she points out, that was a fake apology. That was prideful. You need to deal with that instead. And then it hurts, and you get mad, and then it just, whatever, it all falls apart. So one of the reasons we come here is to repent, to honestly say that we're sorry. That requires us to deal with our pride. That requires us to measure ourselves against a standard that God has set. Number three is prayer for others, to pray on behalf of those who can't or won't. God has called us to do that, to go to him in petition for others. Another is prayer for ourselves. God is our father and he desires to provide for us. He's a good and loving father and he wants to provide for us what we need. It's not always what we want, but he wants to provide for us what we need according to his plan for us. The next is devotion and obedience. Putting yourself at God's disposal and getting our instructions. I love that we, we worship, we come together on Sunday because it's the first day of the week. And we're looking ahead at the week and worshiping God and saying, hey, we give this week to you. Now, the Jewish tradition is they meet on Saturday and it's all very retrospective. They look backwards. They wanna thank God for what happened over the week. But I like that we, we are looking forward to the promises of, of God. And we're looking forward to what he's gonna do in our life. That's another reason we come here. We give our, our morning on the first day of the week. The sixth and what I find extremely important is to give our thanks. Being thankful to God is one of, might be the only thing that we can give him that he didn't give us first. Everything we have is from him. Everything that we will ever have is from him. But he has given us free will and we can choose what we say and what we do. And when we choose to be thankful, it is truly from our heart and it is something that we can give him that he didn't give us. It's very powerful. Now, as far as the music is concerned, it's no mystery to me that during a worship service, people are totally and fully invested by the last song. Um, most people think it's because they like the slow songs, it's the melody, it's the harmony. I just, the slow songs speak to me so much. That is some of the case. I think the majority of the issue is that people come not prepared to worship. We have not prepared our spirit, like John says, to worship in spirit and in truth. And as we go through the first few songs, you're hitting all of these six areas. You're praising him, you're repenting, we're praying for others, we're praying for ourselves, we're giving our de devotion, we're thanking him for what he's done. Those are all in the lyrics of pretty much every song that we do. So unbeknownst to you, you're going through these steps that are preparing your heart to worship. So the last song comes around and you're like, this is the greatest song I've ever heard. <laughs> well, it's the same chords as the first three. And it's... it's pretty much the same words too. They're all synonyms of each other. Um, it's not the song, it's the condition of your heart. Have you come prepared to worship? Now I get it. There are some days, I'm not saying we've done this. A friend of ours sometimes will argue all the way to church and then you turn the car off, you're like, are we good? We're good, let's go do this. And then you go and you get in the car and you argue all the way home. Try running a cell group together. It'll happen. 
And uh, I get it, stuff happens, but do not allow that to ruin what you're going to do. Don't allow your pride or your pettiness or whatever it may be, who cares if you're 15 minutes late? Get there and make the most of it. If you miss all of worship, guess what? There's, a next, there's another service. Listen to the sermon and go to the next service's worship. There's no excuse to, to force you and your family out of the spirit of, of the reason that you're coming. So don't just think it's because it's the last song. Just prepare your spirit to worship and the first song will be just as impactful as the last. When we worship, and I mean truly worship, God offers us things in return. So let's look at these. The first one is pardon. He offers forgiveness for our sins and escape from the shame that hiding that sin creates. Nothing will separate you from the Father faster than shame. It will silence you. It will draw you away from your close friends, from any ministry that you're doing. Shame is crippling. Don't deal with it. Repent and move forward. The second thing is peace. He gives us peace of mind and heart that surpasses all circumstances. And I said circumstances instead of understanding because peace that surpasses understanding, that doesn't even make that much sense to me. Um, I don't even understand the statement. So I put circumstances down because that's when I need peace. When I am going through a difficult circumstance that I don't see a way out of, that I don't have the faith to get out of, that's when I need his peace, and that's something he offers us when we worship. He offers us purpose. You have no idea how many people come to us and say, since I joined the hospitality team in serving coffee, I found so much purpose in my life. And you think, you're just, you're making coffee. Like, I don't, I don't see it. Um, it's because when you serve and you worship God, he reveals things to you, and he gives you purpose, and he gives you direction. He gives you instructions for your life. The fourth thing is he gives you power. You will be invigorated when you worship God. You will feel recharged and absolutely filled with his power. But true worship is an attitude of your heart. Anybody, said Seinfeld, anybody can just serve at the church. Anybody can just take a reservation. Um, anyone can serve. The question is, are you serving, are you doing something because you know it looks good to serve? because you wanna be noticed serving? Do you tithe because you feel guilty, because you've been told to tithe, and if you don't, you're gonna feel bad? Or do you tithe because you believe what he's promised you, and you know that everything you have is from him, and you wanna give him something back? What is your motive? What is the heart behind how you worship? Because that's, that's what God desires. So let's get into what this actually looks like. How can we expect to experience these things in the uncontrolled environments of life, day-to-day -day life? It's easy to worship when everything's going great. But can you do it when everything is falling apart? Anyone can come here after a fun weekend and worship God. Great music, fun songs, that's easy. What do you do when it falls apart? So let's look at John 4, verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So what is in spirit and in truth? Well, in spirit, the spirit dwells within you. When you accept Jesus Christ's death on the cross for your sins, And this means that we are not worshiping by our own strength, but we're worshiping in his victory. That's what this means, in spirit and in truth. And in truth, well, Jesus is the truth. Worship must go to the Father through his sacrifice. He is the way, he's the truth. It must go through him to get to the Father. So I ask you again, can you worship when everything seems to fall apart? And are you able to worship through loss and through pain? I'll never forget this day. It was my birthday, August 29th. That's a plug for the future birthday coming. 2010, and um, we we were doing worship and worship ended and we were going and we go and we pray together and we, we practice the next set and we just kind of go over everything. And, and I got a call from my wife, Hope. And um, you know how you have those days where you just kind of feel like something's off? You don't know exactly what's going on. It was just off. And then I got a call from Hope, which was a little unusual, right in between services. And she told me that we had, that we had a miscarriage and I have no idea how long we'd been pregnant for, but we had it all planned out, man. We'd picked names and, and uh, you know, you already have their spouse picked out in your head and their future and their everything is all planned out in your mind and it was all ripped away. And I was just thinking, I've, like I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed. And I didn't know what I was gonna do because in, until you've had a miscarriage, it's hard to understand that, that loss, the, the feeling that has been taken from you. And, and I realized I've gotta go worship again in 10 minutes. I've gotta go lead two more services of worship. What in the world am I gonna do? And I remember clearly hearing God tell me that it's not about you. Worship is not about me and my circumstance. It's not about how I feel It's about going to God and worshiping. It's got nothing to do with how I feel or what I'm going through. So we fast forward a year, almost to the day. We have Mark, our our eldest son. Um, Not many of you know, but Mark has autism. And you always have the normal thoughts when when they're little that he's just a late walker. He's just quiet. Nothing can prepare you for hearing that your child's autistic. That fear you feel when you realize that he can't tell you if someone hurts him. That knowing that more than likely he is facing a lifetime of being made fun of And this is something that he can't run from. You know, the thoughts of, is he gonna get married? Is he ever gonna have a family? That is when you worship. 
That is when you praise him and you say, you know, whatever it is, I trust you. God, you will deal with it. Whatever's gonna happen, he's in your hands and I trust you with my son. That is when we worship, when it's not easy, when you don't have an answer. I wanna look at this, this scripture. It's, it's about the Samaritan woman at the well. Excuse me. And it's in John chapter four, verses seven through 24. I'm gonna read through it kind of quickly. So please just follow along. When a Samaritan woman came to draw the water, Jesus told her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. And the Jews typically didn't associate with them. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and did as did also his sons and all his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me the water so that I won't get thirsty and I, can, I don't have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say that. You have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you are a prophet. Now, this is very important. Pay attention. Verse 20. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. That sounds insignificant, but let me show you why this is important. Because she just realized that she is speaking to someone who is all-knowing. And does she ask him for relationship advice? She needs it. Lord knows she needs it. She's not doing great. She didn't ask him for that. She didn't ask him for success or money. She asked him, where can I go to worship? Please, you know it all. Tell me where to worship because I've been doing it here and they say it's there, but I need to know where to worship. She saw what was important. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, before Jesus died on the cross... They had to set up temples for, for God's presence to come dwell in. And these were the only acceptable places for God's presence. You and I would not be allowed in there. There's not a chance. They wouldn't let us near it. That's just how it worked back then. We would have to go through very specific rituals with very specific sacrifices, take it to the temple, give it to someone, and he would go in, he would prepare himself, go behind the curtain, and sacrifice it to God in God's presence. 
We were not allowed to be in God's presence back then. When Christ died on the cross, it says that the, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And he himself said, someone greater than even me is coming after I die to be with you. That curtain was torn and now his spirit lives in us. We are the dwelling place that his presence lives. The temple of worship is now in our heart and the only sacrifice that we need is to be broken and come to him. That's what we need. That's, what, that's how we come to him now. Deuteronomy 14, 23. Bring the tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. The place of worship the Lord chooses for his name to be honored. We are now the place the Lord has chosen for his name to be honored. It's in us. We are the temple of worship. If his spirit lives in you, we are where his name is honored. This is why it's so important that we cry out for those who've yet to find him, who can't cry out for, for themselves. This is why it's so important that Hope and I cry out for our son Mark who can't, that we take him into the presence with us. Now I'm gonna have the band come up and we're gonna play a song and allow ourselves to worship. But we didn't collect tithe today because I'm gonna have Pascal bring the, bring the tithing baskets down and put them up front because it is worship. It is worship. So as we play this song, please, if you brought your tithe this morning, come down front, grab your spouse, bring them down front and worship together as you give your tithe. If you tithe online, congratulations, you're tech savvy. Come down and symbolically give your tithe. Come down with your family and pray as a family and worship as a family. This is so important. We cannot miss this opportunity. Wherever you are in, in, in your spiritual walk, in your worship, that's not, that's not my business. I just want you to take the next step. Whatever it is, take one more step closer to God. If when we normally play music, you're sitting there, hanging out in your seat, stay, just stand. I'm not asking you to come get on stage. Just stand. If you normally clap, sing and clap. Whatever you do, take the next step and show him how much you desire to be closer to him. We're gonna play a song, actually we already did it during worship, called We Sing. And I really believe that God gave me this song to write so that I can cry out, so that Hope and I can cry out for our son who can't. So that we can raise our voice on his behalf. And we believe that God is working in him 
So who do you need to cry out for? Who is it in your life that, that either can't or doesn't know to worship God, has chosen not to worship God? Who is that? Maybe it's you. It doesn't have to be someone else. Have you neglected worshiping God? Let's stop that right now. Let's make a point today to get back to worship. Do not miss this opportunity. So please, I just encourage you, do something more. Take another step and worship God. So we're gonna start the song now, and please, if you have your tithe, bring it down. If you tithe online, please come down front anyways and just pray, just come and worship. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid to come down front. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid to come down front. Open yourself up and let's worship. And I believe when we sing, we will be set free. I believe when we sing, you'll come. set free we believe we believe and my faith will be a witness and my family will be saved your love has gone before us and we believe your discipline's my safety and your spirit is my truth i sing of all your glory and i believe i believe when we sing we will be set free i believe when we sing Come. I believe when we sing, we will be set free. We believe. We believe. So we'll sing until the chains fall off. Oh, we'll sing so they know what you've done.
you're here Cause I can feel you all around So I'm breaking my will Got my face to the ground I want to feel you move to the ground I want to feel you move move in me to feel you going to say, I'm going to give a charge to that barrenness. It's going to be a prophetic word. And it's simple. And it's going to mean far more than you can even figure out right now. But just know that today, it changed. So where's that barrenness, that hurt, that painful thing, that loss? Here's the word the Lord gives. 
sing, O barren woman. That barren spot hears the song and it has to come to life. It comes to life. Sing, O barren. Sing, O barren. From this moment on, even when your lips aren't moving in song, there's a spirit inside of you and it worships. Wherever you are, if you can quiet your heart and your mind, you'll be able to hear the spirit within you singing. And that song is directed to the barrenness. It's going to flourish. It's going to flourish. Sing. Sing to the barrenness. Sing to that barrenness. And watch it burst into flowers, into fruits. In Jesus' name, amen.